Welcome to the Title Run Podcast. I'm your host, David Bethay, joined today by two of my good amigos and two very, very hardcore UJ fans in Jonathan Lewis. Dr. J, tell the people what's up. Happy G-Day, everybody. <laughs> and my main man, Scott Aiken. Scott, tell the people what's up. Hello, everybody. Spring football. It was here. It's gone. Now we're sad again. Come on fall. <laughs> and Scott, I've it's been so long since we've been on together, I forgot to use your uh, pseudonym, the Status Assassin. So it goes to tell you, goes to show that it's been a while since we've done this. I think the last time we might have jumped on together might have been the three of us together talking about recruiting in January. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, way too they've long. just been they've just been text conversations that we don't publish. Yeah. That usually somehow still make their way into this. And same thing with Jonathan. So if you're new to the podcast, you can check us out on any major podcasting platform. My platform of preference is pop is uh, not Podbeam. Excuse me, that's where we're hosted. My platform of preference is Castbox. It's a great one. Uh, email us titlerunsports at gmail.com. and you can also follow us on Twitter or Facebook. So talking about the G Day game, something we typically done in write up form, but with us having a successful podcasting platform, and by successful I mean a good solid twenty five listeners, um, <laughs> we're gonna make it in podcasting format. <laughs> Thanks, mom, and all my friends at Watkinsville First Baptist. So, uh, jumping into this, I wanted to start with just talking about the starting lineups and who actually played in this game. There were some noticeable scratches. Uh, Nicobe Dean did not play. All the wide receivers. The all the wide receivers. Yeah, really. Receiver core. <laughs> George Pickens didn't play. Uh, you saw Dominic Blaylock suited up. He did not play. So there was. It was definitely not the ones on offense. But uh, you got a good picture of what I think is going to actually be the starting defense, more or less, with uh, one big transfer still uh, to be to be added to that. But um, the spots that interested me the most were O line and secondaries, particularly O line. And y'all help me out with this. Guards, we had Schaefer and Sawyer splitting time. Is I see that right? Because I didn't see Sawyer at the beginning of the game. Is that correct? Yeah, Sawyer was a little nicked up, and okay. so he didn't start. They weren't sure if he was going to go, and then he got in a little bit with the second team, and then after okay. I guess he got warmed up, he played with the first team. So Okay, because I didn't notice him in the starting lineup. I, I, I'm not sure Tate Ratledge missed a first-team snap. I think he no. was right guard the entire game. I think team. he played every snap of the first team also that I saw. Yep. Um, so we had Warren Erickson at center, which was no surprise. And then Truss and McClendon at our tackles. Is that what y'all saw too? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And occasionally, occasionally Sawyer, Sawyer played some left tackle and some left guard and sometimes played okay. with Truss. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then at tight end, this was a little bit of a surprise to me, but it was John Fitzpatrick getting the start at tight end. So that was a little bit surprising. I think most of us would assume it would be Darnell Washington, but Fitzpatrick got the start at tight end and got some targets, which, again, that's another thing we're not used to seeing in Georgia is tight end targets. Um, it, did look, it did look bad catching the ball. You can definitely tell. I don't think he's got half of the athletic potential that uh, Washington or even uh, Bowers has. We'll come back to them. That's Scott's boy right there. But um, then the next area of interest, you know, there wasn't a lot of surprise in the backfield. You had, you know, JT Daniels, a quarterback, uh, Zamir White looking pretty good catching and running the ball out of the backfield and James Cook at, at um, in the backfield. No Kenny McIntosh. He's, he's banged up. And then uh, out of receivers, <laughs> what was left of our first unit. So it was basically Karis Jackson, D Rob, uh, Demetrius Robinson. And uh, I'm going to get this wrong. AD Mitchell. We said we were going to call him because none of us know how to say his first name. 
who looked fantastic, and we'll come back to him later. Any surprise there with the guys that you saw starting on the offense? Well, I mean, A.D. Mitchell, yeah. as everyone knows, is our number one receiver this year. <laughs> uh, no, not as everyone knows. That was a very big surprise. Now, if you've been, if you're a junkie like me, and you've been following spring practice reports, you have heard that he has popped in some scrimmages and people have been pleasantly surprised with him. Still, I did not expect, and this is unofficial, I did not expect for him to be the target leader for mm-hmm. either offense in the yeah. G-Day game. I think um, it's funny because I was even thinking sometime in the first half, I would love to know how many targets he had. And I was thinking, I'm sure I won't see that number for G-Day. And then sure enough, it was it was published. And I saw it at halftime, but not at the end of the game. Anyway, I think at halftime, he had like eight targets. So by the end of the game, I don't know. Did he end up with like 13, 14, 15 targets on the game? I was taking it up with seven catches for I think 105-ish. So it had to be double-digit targets because they were – I'm looking it up now. He had 13 targets. 13 targets, yeah. So, I mean, plenty to talk about from the game today. But, you know, you ask for surprises. uh, He is the first one that shoots right to the top of my head. Mm, Yeah. Um, In the secondary – the big one was who's going to start at corner, and you had Jalen Kimber and Amir Speed at corner. And Amir Speed is one of the ones that we assumed would just be the starters because he's been there forever. I swear he's been there for six or seven years, um, like Demetrius Robinson has. But uh, <laughs> he got the he got the start. And Amir Speed, if I remember correctly from his recruiting cycle, was one of those guys who picked up super late. He was basically recruited on the fact that I think he ran like a 10, 100 or something stupid out of that coming out of high school, and he was like six three. Um, that may not that number may not be correct, but. He was a track kid that had good length, popped really late in the process, wasn't really as much of a football player as he was an athlete, but they said that frame and that speed, we can teach you to cover. And he didn't look bad. We'll go over all that stuff later on. But him and Jalen Kimber, not having seen a lot of Kimber since high school, he is a lot smaller than I realized. Man, he is Oh, he's, small. he's always been skinny. He's yeah. one of those dudes that, I mean, he's going to be skinny in the NFL too. Yeah. He's going to be kind of a slight dude. But Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about their performances later. Uh, we had Brenny starting at star with Adam Anderson playing some there in certain packages, which we'd talked about, or we'd heard about. And Adam Anderson also played some Jack and uh, he split some reps there with Nolan Smith who played there with the majority of the game. That's their, essentially their rush in their, their four, three guy that'll put his hand on the ground and then stand up sometimes. Um, and we'll talk more about the scheme stuff they did later on and I'll bore some people, but you guys will enjoy it. Uh, and then what was interesting is the inside linebackers Channing Tindall. He is alive. And he is finally getting playing time. It, it has taken him a long time to get on the field. I thought he was a bona fide stud coming out of high school. I was shocked he got outplayed by Monty Rice. Uh, not by Nicole Dean, but by Monty Rice and lost the playing time for those couple of years. But he was back on the field and he did some good things. Which we'll talk about in a few minutes there too. Um, the other starting linebacker, I did not know his first name. I know it was Walker. Do y'all know that young man's first name, number seven? Quay. Oh, New so number. it's numbers. Mm-hmm. Oh, number. okay. New okay. number for Quay Walker. Yep. I felt so stupid. I was like, who is this that I don't know? So he went from 25 to seven. Okay. So, yep. There yeah. You I-, I was lost for a while too. Okay. It's like, who is this random number seven? Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, going over just a few of the X and O's, start with the offense. The game plan, as you'd expect, this was pretty vanilla. I mean, they were running basic route concepts, RPO slants, some RPO bubbles, fade routes. They ran a lot of what they call the sale concept, where you get a vertical by that number one receiver and an out route by the number two receiver. Threw, I believe, two touchdown passes off of that. And uh, one to Jalen Johnson with one team. The other one went to, I think it was Kyrus Jackson. 
Uh, lots of vertical throws, which Scott, you're going to talk about later on because you texted me about that. Our two minute, our two minute offense was just us throwing bombs. Mm. Um, lots of bubbles and underneath throws to the running backs, which that's always been a staple of the G Day game. I remember one G Day game where Nick Chubb didn't even get a carry, but he got like four targets on the two drives he was in on in for. And even a couple of years ago, I remember um, DeAndre Swift getting like five targets on the first few drives. That's always something to emphasize in this game is getting a lot of targets to the running backs and the tight ends. So David, from the coach's side of things, is that because they just want to get the running backs some touches, but they don't want to slam them into defensive linemen for a scrimmage? I honestly think it's something they want to work on. Okay. I, I legitimately think it's what it is. And to, to some extent, I think you're right that it's a way for, to get them touches and get them live action without getting, you know, run over by Devontae Wyatt <laughs> or Jordan yeah. Davis. But I really do think it's something that they want the guys to work on. It's like, well, whenever, when else do we get live reps to do these things? And it's now, I mean, how many times is Zamir White going to have seven targets in a game? I, I just don't know that that's going to be something that happens a whole lot. But uh, so, yeah, but I think, I think there is some truth to that. A couple other things, so I don't bore everybody. Lots of targets to the tight ends. Uh, flexed our tight ends out a lot. Second unit, we played a lot of 12 personnel, which you heard them talk about in ESPN, where we would have one tight end lined up, a lot of times not even in line, but as an H-back, um, as a move tight end that could kick out on power and counter. And we would split the other one out. And we'd split out Bowers a few times. We split out Darnell Washington. He had a lot of success out there. We even split out John Fitzpatrick and threw a fade to him. So some good stuff. And it's a way for them to get into their looks without subbing personnel. And I think, as they said on ESPN, I think we'll see a lot of that early on in the season if we don't have healthy wide receivers. Y'all agree with that? Definitely. <laughs> yeah. And looking at the way our tight ends play, man, that might be a strength of our team for the first time in a long time. And we actually have tight ends that are athletic, like really, like truly athletic. Because Scott and I have said that, you know, I've told my stories about seeing a five-star tight end down at Buford that came to Georgia and Isaac Nada and Scott and I saying, there's no such thing as a five-star tight end that runs a 4-9. I'm sorry. When I mistake you for an offensive lineman, you're not a five-star tight end. Sorry. So we're back to having tight ends that run four fives and four sixes in our athletics. So I, I think that's something to be excited about. Well, speaking of that, there should be a drinking game this year for how many times announcers mentioned Darnell Washington's weight. Uh, oh, it, gosh. It, there, there was a you're long conversation about it today on the broadcast. It will be every game. Whoever Dude. the broadcast team is will be talking about Darnell Washington listed at 280. Do we believe that? Look that's at this the, guy's waist. Look at the way he runs. It's going to be all year long. That's the skinniest toy I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but, but yeah. for real though, like I, he's just a big dude. He's just a he's just a, a massive guy. massive dude. Yeah, that is a large child. Uh, all right. Um, last thing saw a good amount of RPOs. Very very basic. It was like they fake power through a bubble, or they motion out the back and through a swing pass. And a couple RPO slants. So just a lot of basic stuff. So just wanted to point that out. And the big thing you saw was that Munkin likes to throw the ball vertically. If you didn't figure that out last year, <laughs> it was really obvious today. Because when you're running in a spring scrimmage, you're basically running your base plays. And so the fact that our base plays are throwing the ball deep about every five targets is a sign of things to come. I like it. Uh, honestly, I do like yeah. it. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, if you weren't paying close enough attention, you could have missed that last year in his first season, especially because, you know, the first 60% of the season, you didn't really have a quarterback you trusted to execute that. So it was a little bit more run heavy and it was trying to, you know, get the ball to Karis Jackson over the middle of the field and, and find ways to move offense when you didn't have the quarterbacks you wanted. Right. But if you were paying attention the last four games of the season, 
it was very obvious what they wanted to do when you had your, your players yeah. out there, right? Uh, yeah, you're 100%. Totally agree, right. Not only does Todd Munkin like to throw the ball vertically, but JT Daniels likes to throw the ball vertically. And if, yes, if maybe does. there was some question as to, does he just throw it deep a lot because he has George Pickens? The answer nope. to that appears to be no. <laughs> and JT will chunk it. Yeah, he will. And they're not all great throws, but – But they're all down the field. They're all down the <laughs> yeah. field. And I will say this, even his bad throws – Unlike this pick that Stetson bent through that was like way underthrown, even his underthrows, he gives the receiver, the receiver a chance to make a play on the ball, which is one of the things that I liked. Even though his off-throws aren't always money, he gives the receiver at least a 50-50 ball at worst a lot of the times. Um, so going to the defensive side, essentially based out of a 4-2-5, I know there's people that still think we run a 3-4. We don't really. We are essentially in a 4-2-5 with that jack position being a stand-up defensive end. Typically, we play him to the side of a tight end. So you'll see that in a lot of cases, Nolan Smith is not actually with his hand on the ground. He's standing up, mirroring a tight end. Not always. And there's times he'll put his hand on the ground and he'll get in a wide nine when he does that, but way outside of the tackle and he'll come off the edge. But he primarily played that spot. We did get Adam Anderson. And there's a few times we went and do a 50 look and put them both outside. So we did a little bit of that, which, I man, I like that. That's <laughs> some gas off the edge. I like that look. And um, blitzed a ton. Gave our, our starting offense a lot of trouble with our blitz pickups, a lot, especially from the interior linebackers. I mean, they were coming from depth and getting home a lot, which is a little, little, little upsetting to see if you're uh, rooting for the offense. And then the last thing was coverage-wise. We didn't play a lot of zone. Other than like the end of half and end of the game, we played man-free or two-man covered, or, you know, which it's man across the board of two high safeties behind it, almost the entire game. And we were up and press a lot, so – I don't know if that's just, you know, you playing your vanilla stuff for this G-Day game, which is probably what it is. I mean, everybody's seen two man and man free. It's not, you're not giving anything away when you show that. But that was just some of the scheme stuff. So let's get into the stuff that people want to actually hear about. And that's what we saw out of the game. Oh, one quick note on special teams. Jake Camarda attempted and missed three field goals. All of them were absolutely bombed. And all three were missed fairly badly. <laughs> he also, in the third corner, uh, punted a ball like, like about 60 yards in the air. Like he yeah. continues to have a vibranium leg. It's it's crazy. Scott, it may have landed in California where you are. I don't know if it's, <laughs> it's come out of orbit yet. Yeah. yeah, I'm just glad we're not counting him to actually make any field goals. Mm-mm, yeah. mm-mm. But God, he's got the vibranium leg, which is funny because all three of us have been in conversations about the Falcon and Winter Soldier. So that's just, it's a great pull there, John. Just watched it like 30 minutes ago. Yeah, it was a good one. Uh, I don't want to get a sidetrack because – the number yeah. of memes and uh, gifts that have been sent in our group chat have been like absurd. Anyways, <laughs> moving along, Gordon, if you're if you're listening to this, we are going to find you a vibranium arm. All right, um, offensively, who stood out to you guys? Who stood out to you guys? Uh, I think one of the things that really stood out was the depth at quarterback, which has basically yeah. never ever been the case since Kirby Smart got to Georgia. It's not necessarily Kirby Smart's fault, right? The, yeah. He had a true freshman start of the first year, and then you're recruiting behind an incumbent five-star true freshman quarterback. You can't really bring in, like, veteran transfers to sit on the bench, right? And then you had Fromm, and then Fields transferred, and so you just – you always had young guys starting, yeah. so it's hard to build up a lot of depth, right? This year, if you had to actually play your third or fourth quarterback – I mean, you don't feel nearly as good about it you would mm-hmm. as your starter, but if your third or fourth quarterback 
you could actually probably win you some games, right? Or mm-hmm. your third or fourth quarterback might be a, a really, really good starter next year. Yeah. So there's definitely some talent there all the way through. You know, Beck, Carson Beck looked pretty good. He definitely yes, had he some did. misses. He was not yes, a guy where you're like, oh, he's going to challenge JT Daniels to be the starter this year. No, no, no he wasn't no. that polished. He had a, a live arm. He was Ooh, yeah. pretty accurate. I mean, he overthrew uh, Arian Smith at one point. Which is hard to do. On a go route, and that is the fastest player in college football. So that was good to see. Vandegrift definitely flashed all of the tools, and he gave you the like extreme whirlwind five-star true freshman quarterback extravaganza experience <laughs> where it's like roll out, make a really nice throw down the sideline on a rope for a first down make a couple quick reads and then see a tiny bit of pressure bail out, but scramble for 12 yards because you're yep. a good athlete and then drop a fumble like an idiot yep. that gets recovered by defensive <laughs> lineman. Yep. And that's in like 70 to 80 seconds of real time. I call that the Bo Nix special. Exactly. Bo Nix against Florida two years ago. Yeah. Which is fine when you're a true yeah. freshman in spring yeah. as an early enrollee. It's less fine when you're Bo Nix starting your 28th game. I, what you said about Carson Beck though, dude, that guy's got a live arm. That ball explodes out of his hand. He's got what I call the easy gas. He just kind of he just kind of rolls his hand through, and that ball's out of his hand. And he had some misses, but he was fishing overall, man. He, he was impressive. And and Vandergriff was slinging it too. He had some yeah. juice on the ball. And that one JT Daniels pass to Mitchell, the touchdown oh, pass yeah. to Mitchell. God, that was smoke. That, that was the best ball I've seen JT Daniels throw at Georgia. I think that's the most velocity and accuracy mm-hmm. together on a pass that I can imagine of an ATG. That was like, that was an, that was what we call one of those NFL throws. Mm-hmm. Both, both ends of that throw. I mean, JT Daniels threw an absolute laser all the way to the sideline and Mitchell like had to reach out full extension yeah. and picked that ball clean. I mean, both ends of that throw were very nice. Yeah. And JT Daniels did have one, uh, interception dropped by Chris Smith. Chris Smith. And I think that's going to be part of the JT Daniels. Yes. 40 passes, slinging yeah. them all downfield mm-hmm. experience. You're going to have yeah. three or four touchdowns and you're going to have a pick. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. He's going to underthrow one or yeah, the, he, that's going to happen. I completely agree with that assessment. And y'all brought up AD Mitchell and I wrote in my little write down, he looks like the player everyone th- hoped Matt Landers would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's, he's the only guy on the roster in the receiving core that has a similar build and a similar style of game to George Pickens. He's not George Pickens. There's no, no reason to no. expect him to be George Pickens now or ever. Right. But same style of play. Um, and yeah. I, you know, the takeaway for him is for me, at least is after this game, you know, that he is ready to contribute in the fall. Yes. Is he going to contribute 200 yards? Is he going to contribute 800 yards? I got no clue, right? It depends on if he really develops and things click. Maybe he hits that freshman wall. Maybe the other guys are healthy and he's not needed as much. Who knows, right? But it's one more body that can contribute, and it's a play style that you got a bit of a gap at that with uh, with Pickens hurt. So, And essentially, it's the guy that can win the contested, the contested catch. And we had it with J.J. Hallman. And we lost it. And then George Pickens came in and gave you some of that as a freshman. Gave you all of it last year when he was healthy. And you have to have that guy. Yeah. And, and before and we had it with Cager for half a season when he for was half healthy. a season. You're right. And Javon Williams before that. But mm-hmm. you always need that guy. And the fact that he can give you some of that is, like you said, 
he's not George Pickens. I mean, George Pickens is going to be a top 15 pick in the NFL draft more than likely, but like, yeah, he well, gives and, you some of that. And I think Pickens, I forget off the top of my head, but I saw a stat the other day and I forget if he's got 83 or 85 career catches, but I think 75 of those catches went for a first down or a touchdown. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's just everything, everything, always a first down or a touchdown. And it's yeah. like you said, those sort of, you know, contested catches or close quarters catches. Right. So hopefully he can fill some of that. And some of that might go to jump balls to Washington when you flex them out mm. on a cornerback. So, well, and you, you see that with Daniels too. I mean, Daniels was obviously so comfortable with Pickens last year and was just always looking at him. David, I think I even texted you today. I know I texted somebody today. I said, Mitchell is Daniel's first look. Yeah. Like, and that, and yeah. that you know, he yeah. had 13 targets. I mean that like Daniels was obviously, but even expensive Kiaris Jackson, who like still appears to be like a very explosive, mm-hmm. you know, sort of uh, yeah. like really reliable receiver who I thought it was funny, you know, got almost nothing from Daniels. And then like, as soon as Bennett came in, he threw like a long touchdown, almost touchdown yeah. pass to Kiaris Jackson. Yeah. And it's like Stetson Bennett and Kiaris Jackson, the love affair continues. Like, yeah. and you know, meanwhile, you know, Daniels is just, he's looking at Mitchell all over the place. And it is, it was a little bit like George Pickens light. It's not George Pickens, but he had a similar relationship with the quarterback and he made similar, you know, sort of uh, catches and ran similar routes. It was, it, it was hard not to notice. I was saying my guess or expectation there with how that went today was that they were just really, you know, intentionally going that way to work on that chemistry mm. because they know he's going to have to be a part mm. of that role, right? Go Speaking of the quarterbacks, just to give you some stats for them, um, which is probably something it's helpful to have. Uh, Carson back on the day was 22 of 31 for 236 yards, two touchdowns and one interception, which about matches what you saw from him. He makes a lot of aggressive throws. He pushes the ball down the field. His arm is built for this offense. His skill set's built for this offense. He's another one, though, if he has a play, he's going to make some incredible throws and he's going to throw two or three picks. You, you can see that right now, and he's going to. Uh, Vandergriff, about the same, six of nine for 47 yards. Got a lot less playing time than Beck. It's pretty clear that obviously with Beck having been here an entire year and, you know, Vandergriff having been here for four months, that Beck is ahead of him on the depth chart. Um, and then <laughs> Jackson Muschamp. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Woof. I don't, I don't want to say too much. I mean, too much on the pod, but yeah, David, I texted you some texts. You did. About, about, about Jackson Mustamp. Um, yeah. He's, There's uh, a reason he's six string. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Yeah, that's actually right. It, because it, the fifth string walk on was playing receiver today because there weren't enough okay. bodies at receiver. Okay. I didn't know that. Okay. So yeah. I just have to say this. This is my one little poke at uh, Mustamp. Considering his track record with offenses, is it any surprise that his son's a terrible quarterback? Yep. <laughs> he plays quarterback the way his dad would want him to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, he, he's also way better at sports than me. So, yeah. yeah flipping it over. Uh, JT Daniels, 28 of 41. God, he threw the ball 41 times. 324, three touchdowns, no pick. He did have a pick that was dropped. Uh, should have been. Christmas should have had him. It hit him right in the hands. And then Setson Bennett was three of four. I feel like he threw the ball more than that. But three of four for 58 yards, and he threw a pick. And it was a bad pick. Yeah, under threw the ball by 10 yards on a go route. When when Bennett was looking at the, the that go route in that particular play he threw a pick on, I was looking at it as like he's got to cut that loose. He didn't have enough arm to get it out there. And of course, he had to throw it by 10 yards. And mm-hmm. Bennett has a good arm, by the way. But I was like, you don't have a good enough arm to let a guy get 35 yards on the field and then try to throw it 60. You don't have that kind of arm. Yeah. 
That's like that Jacob Eason, Matt Stafford, stupid arm strength kind of throw. Mm-hmm. So uh, going back to anybody else in the offense set out for y'all. Um, yeah, you know, um, we mentioned him earlier, Tate Ratledge. Um, you know, I ended up kind of watching him a lot just because he was in there a lot. And he obviously had a really, really outstanding spring. Um, I mean, had kind of heard that anyway, that, um, you know, coaches had been impressed with him. But then, listen, I mean, he was he was the first team uh, right guard, like, all day long today. And to be as young as he is and, and mm-hmm. to be, I mean, apparently, like, not only, like, getting in there, but, I mean, like, holding that position down. Um, he must have really had an outstanding spring. I watched him today. Um, he He was pretty good in there. There was like twice that he got pretty much like shucked by Devontae Wyatt, who, um, who by the no way, in that. is like 24 years old yeah. um, and is like really good at football. So, um, you know, welcome to the SEC. But um, just in looking across that offensive line when it first came out and to see who was out there, you know, th- there weren't really any surprises, maybe except for him. And like I said, he, he was in there the whole game. I mean, he, I think he has obviously had a very, very good spring. Uh, I thought the offensive line actually as a whole did pretty well, the starting unit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only going to be so much room in the run game because the first team front seven on defense is really, really good. And Jordan Davis was playing. So that sort of mm-hmm. puts a cap on yeah. how good the run game can be. Um, and the pass blocking, I actually thought they held up pretty well. There were, I know there were a few sacks in there. There were. I don't know that really any of those are actual sacks in live action, though. Right. There's a couple of times where it was like Jordan Davis manhandles the center and like, you know, taps a shoulder pad or something. And it's like, maybe, maybe that's a sack, but also, you know, maybe that's not. So it it wasn't like a lot of free running guys where it got whistled because the quarterback would have been killed. Right. And that's fair. There are several of those that I think you're right in saying he probably could get away from. I think I was a little bit alarmed by how easy some of the pressure came from some of the stunts they were running. I don't know whether that attribute to new starters and the O line or the fact that our defense is probably going to be ridiculously good again. I like, so it's like, it's like the both and the chicken or the egg. And like, but like yeah. you said, Scott, out of the number of, you know, shoulder pad flag football sacks that we got today, maybe one or two are sacks in real game. Maybe now the ones with the twos on twos, those were a lot of, it was like, okay, I'm about to hit you in the face and yep. I'm just going to tag you instead with the twos. Those, those are a little bit more uh, bona fide, I think, than some of the ones at the first unit. So that's a good well, observation. Well, and the, the depth across the O-line is crazy. I mean, I, you know, people don't want to talk too much about backups, but the second team offensive line, um, it, it's like 23 recruiting stars <laughs> on, the, on the second team offensive line. I, is Roger Jones, Amarius Mims, and Clay Webb, are they all five stars? Is, is that is that 15 yep. stars right there? And yep. then uh, and then Van Pran um, at center, and then uh, Owen Condon, who might only be a three-star, not a four-star, I guess. I think he was playing mostly at guard. But, um, man, I mean, just the, the physical talent um, on the second-team offensive line was really, really impressive uh, to me. Uh, it's too bad we can't convert some of them to defensive backs because we're going to need defensive backs and we've got more than we need on the offensive line. But man, the depth. And for those of you that cared, I totally buried the lead on this. The final score was the red team, which was the first team offense, 28, and the black team, which was the first team defense, 23. So if you care, that was a score, which you shouldn't because Georgia won. Uh, go ahead. Back to our observations. Um, 
talk about Brock Bowers, Scott. It's your boy. Yeah. So, well, him and Washington, right? Both of them got some targets and both of them, you know, kind of showed off what they're good at, which with Darnell Washington is being extremely large. And the fact that being that big shows up in both the passing game and the run game, right? Oh, yes. So he got split out wide on Lavoisier Carroll, a freshman cornerback who was a running back a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Now he's a cornerback. Um, just kind of like a fade, tossed the ball up. Carroll stumbled and, and fell. Yep. Turf Monster got him. And then Washington gets the ball, and a safety decided to try and tackle him. And I'm already laughing because it just looked like some kid ran out there from, you know, like eight-year-old football and tried to tackle this guy. It just did not happen. Pretty sure he ended that kid's life. Definitely yeah, his football but, career. <laughs> and so well, I was saying a 50, 60-yard play or something yeah. like that. Because he's not a, like a speedster. He got chased yeah. down by another DB. But anyway, very next play, they hand it, hand it to Kendall Milton. And – who has the ceiling block there on the side for Kendall Milton to run in also Washington. Right. Fun so, fact. His first ever touchdown is a Georgia Bulldog. Kendall Milton. Hmm. He was banged up so much last yeah. year. He never. Yeah. He's the only scholarship running back that did not score a touchdown. That's crazy fun, to me. Fun fact. Darnell Washington is 280 pounds. I don't know if y'all, <laughs> y'all know that. <laughs> oh man. All right. Drink. but yeah so you know washington got a little bit of work being split out you know Mm -hmm. that kirby has talked about that in press conferences some already that you know they've been trying to work washington and fitzpatrick flexing out and playing out wide to be more well-rounded tight ends and he's also said that bowers as a freshman that he's more comfortable with that already and they're trying to get him you know a little bit bigger a little more physical get him more round, well-rounded yeah. in the blocking game. But he showed already, you know, today that he's he's pretty comfortable split out wide. And he yeah, is – Yeah, I mean, he's your, you know, 6'3", 240-pound tight yeah. end that can actually run. Yeah. You know, we're talking like 4'5". Yeah, return kicks in high school. Like, that, t- that tells you all you need to know. It's like the kid from Alabama. I'm forgetting his yeah. name. I know the one I'm talking about. Uh, number oh, O.J. Howard? Then. No, the number 19 that was like their – I'm doing air quotes when I say he was a tight end because he was returning kicks for Alabama last year. Oh, yeah. Y'all know who I'm talking about. We'll we'll think of his name later. But, yeah. But, yeah. So, anyway, you know, Bowers is another one of those guys where I have a similar takeaway to him as I do for A.D. Mitchell from today, which matches up to what you've heard out of spring practice, right, is this is a guy that's ready to contribute, right? Is he going to be a freshman All-American or is he going to have – you know, 150 or 200 yards. I don't know. It could be either of those, yeah. but it's another guy that's ready to play and help you win right now. And definitely in the fall. So that's good because that gives you three tight ends, at least that, you know, mm-hmm. can be a part of a winning football team. Right. And that's important. One of those guys is going to be hurt at some point in the season. So. And, and, and two of them are actually legit receiving threats. Mm-hmm. Like as opposed to, having one half of a tight end that's a legit receiving threat. He's meaning that he's a receiving threat on any route that's under 15 yards, which is what we've had in the past. Yeah. Or we, yep. or, you know, we had Isaac Nada who was really only good on seam routes. That was the only vertical route he could run. So, you know, yep. uh, Brock Bowers is what a lot of people thought that Isaac Nada, Nada was. was. 
we're both not, yeah, we're all nights and Jonathan mm-hmm. and I are both not. Yep. Yep. I think, I think that's right. And he, I, you know, as Scott said, you'd heard a lot of good things about him anyway in spring practice and just watching him run out there today. He just, he looks, he looks like smooth. Yeah. He just, he, he looks smooth. And yeah. uh, I mean, I couldn't help but one, I mean, Daniels had a really great day. I couldn't help but wonder um, how good of a day he would have had if Washington Bowers oh. and Arian Smith <laughs> had been getting their throws from JT Daniels, because um, all three of those guys look good. But Bowers, yeah, really excited about him. Yeah, and going to the defense side of the ball, I'll talk about my, my crush on the Georgia defense, which is Lewis Seen. Like, I get giddy watching him play as a defensive backs coach. Because I watch him in cover two. Well, he misses he misses a go route early on. I'll go ahead and say that. A go route down the sideline. He's late. And it's a great and I don't know. That ball that was thrown from JT Daniels at to AD Mitchell probably would have gone through a car wash without getting wet. I don't know how many safeties that aren't Ed Reed could have gotten to that ball. But he was late in a cover two rotation, gives up a touchdown, comes back later on. Stetson Bennett hangs the ball to the sideline. He goes and picks it off. And then I watched the next series. They get back on defense. Georgia run power. Georgia runs power. And singing comes up and smokes the running back. I think it was Ed Edwards for like a four yard gain. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like the safety of my dreams right here. Like <laughs> kids that can do both, mm-hmm. which is why he will make a lot of American dollars playing the NFL in the next year or two. So, yep. I, I was, I was sold on scene when you go back to the end of his freshman season when you still had LeCount and J.R. Reed as your two veteran starters. And there was a game or two towards the end of the season yeah. where they just started starting three safeties because they just had to get seen on the field. field yeah. And when you're like, the, you know, the number one defense in college and all your safeties are veteran guys and you just go to a totally different formation to get a true freshman out there. Like I'm pretty comfortable. He's going to be a player. Yeah. Well, it, most depressing point of the podcast, maybe, but, you're talking about how great Lewis scene is. And I totally agree. And all I can think is what are we going to do when he gets hurt? (laughs) Like he's, he's like, we, we are Georgia football. He is going to get hurt. And then who, you know, it's, it's just already so shaky. I feel like the secondary and then there's just without injury. I mean, an injury at any of those positions, I don't know, maybe that transfer, I guess he's technically more of a safety than he is a corner. It's probably not even worth talking about on the G day podcast, but, um, Man, I just I'm still up nights thinking about our secondary. Oh, it's worth talking about because just to let you know, the young man that you're referring to, uh, gosh, let me find his name. Tyke Smith. Thank you. The young man you're referring to, Tyke Smith. I think Lewis Seen is amazing. And the second Tyke Smith steps on the field, he's our best defensive back. Mm. I'm just telling you, that's what I that's what I see. Now, Mm. I don't know that he will be by the time the season is done. Because I think Lewis Seen's that good, but he will step on the field and be our best defensive back the second he steps on the field. I believe he's going to play star. I think you'll see Latavius Brinney uh, be the backup star, meaning he won't play. <laughs> and then what will happen is when when Seen gets a concussion, knocking someone's head off like he did the, the in the Florida game last year, you'll see Tyke Smith drop back to safety and Brinney come back in at star. So that's what I think we'll see. Um, There's a few sets also where they went in motion. We rotated Christopher Smith down a star, which I don't hate, but uh, Smith actually was good at safety, man. And so he just surprised you. He's just solid. He's mm-hmm. just solid. He does the right things. He's not spectacular. He just does a lot of the right things. Like I think he actually is going to be the starter there. Yeah. I, I would have been worried about him at safety. Had we not seen him fill in mm-hmm. for account for the mm-hmm. second half of last mm-hmm. year and be a pretty solid player. He's not going to be an all American. He's not going to be a high NFL pick. Nope. 
but he's going to be a good, good college solid player. college player and you can count on him to do his job and the, you know the rest of the defense has a lot of really high nfl draft picks yeah. so it's okay if one of them is not a high pick in the draft so the safety thing right we don't rotate safeties Mm-mm. we play our starters and that is it that has always bugged me a little bit about how kirby does that he rotates corners. why yeah corners rotate safeties do not so th- a lot of people position. complain about things that kirby smart does and i think that they're a lot of times very stupid complaints but that is a complaint that actually really does bug me because if scene gets hurt is there anybody that's ever played in college before and, and see i I wonder from a coaching standpoint, you rotate literally every position on the field except those two. And I wonder if that's a continuity thing because of what it they're is. asking the safeties to do. Cause you rotate mm-hmm. your star, you rotate when they play six corners in, in, if you include the star, you know, and they don't rotate at all at safety. So I don't know if that's part of the deal. And clearly they have guys that are capable. I mean, you saw what um, Christopher Smith was capable of when he got down the field. Now he wasn't better than Rich the counter Lewis scenes. So you can understand why he doesn't want either of them off the field, but yeah, that's yeah. a good, that's a good observation, Scott. Yeah. It's more me being annoyed with it than it is an actual problem. Because yeah. like you said, Chris Smith came in and played pretty well. There's no guarantee that he was going to all of a sudden be light years better because he had 20 more snaps against right. Kentucky or something yeah. like, so Last thing, what do you think of JT Daniels? I thought he had an excellent day um, and really probably even better than it looked, and it looked pretty good. Um, he, You said the numbers earlier, and I even made a note that several of his incompletions were on target, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, he, he had the one ball that almost got picked that we talked about, but other than that, um, he looked, he looked comfortable to me. He was throwing it vertical, which is obviously what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, but, but he did everything. I mean, he, he did also make some throws to the tight ends. He threw it to the running backs plenty. He had a really nice touch throw to James Cook, mm, little, um, on yeah. a, on a, on a wheel route, which I think is something we're going to do, especially with Cook. Um, so he, he, to me, I mean, certainly Beck or Vandergrift don't even approach like challenging him. I mean, he, he is absolutely the quarterback. And I think he's not just the quarterback. I mean, he he might be the best quarterback in the conference. I mean, he he looked really, really good to me today. And when, as I said earlier, too, I couldn't help but think, you know, what about when when his skill players aren't split and he's got Washington, he's got Bowers, he's got Arian Smith. Uh, Carson Beck missed Arian Smith uh, no more than three times <laughs> that, that yeah. I counted. I think yeah. two, were lo- two were long and one was short. Um, and the announcers even talked about Daniels and how he um, – he throws sort of a rainbow ball, like mm-hmm. he, he he throws it really high, and that's really good for his receivers. They talked about that on the long touchdown pass to Robertson, and how that gave Robertson plenty of time to sort of you know chuck his defender and find the ball and get under it. And I was even thinking about Arian Smith, and I was like, that is going to be perfect for that guy. Like he is going to be able to track his throws down really really well. Um, anyway, always of saying that I was really impressed with how Daniels looked. Uh, That's one of the things that Russell Wilson is really known for and also known for having, you know, one of the best quality deep balls. So uh, one of the things that I saw with JT Daniels was that some of his lower body mechanics looked a little bit cleaner today than Hmm. they did at times at the end of last season for the people that really start trying to dig into quarterbacks. There's been some questions or concerns about some of his lower body mechanics for how it looked 
last year. I think it was worse last year when he was coming off that injury mm-hmm. than it really was when he was actually at USC. He had sort of a thing. I think he had it some in high school even where his back foot would kind of come up off the ground. Mm-hmm. You couldn't really like get all the power on your throws. And I think, you know, if you look at USC stuff in his first game, he did it a few times. And then by the end of his freshman year, it was kind of completely gone. And then last year when he was off a knee injury and the lower body wasn't totally healthy, it showed up again. And every time it showed up was on one of those deep balls that kind of mm-hmm. died. So it looked a little bit more, um, a little more solid on the lower half. Hopefully that's him being healthy and him getting back to having those good solid mechanics and trusting his knee and, and his leg strength. And if that's the case, then he could be, you know, the same players last year, but better on the deep ball. And that's a really good scenario. And I pointed this out to you, Scott. I said one of the things that I was that I noticed is that when I was first scouting JT Daniels and I had not seen a lot of him USC film, we were both talking about him. I said, when he does not set his feet, the ball dies. Like he doesn't have the Stafford level, Easton level arm strength. So if his feet aren't set, that ball dies. But man, when they are set, you saw that throw he made down the sideline, that whole shot. I would have to say that I probably underrated his arm strength when his feet are set because it is, man, he puts some zip on it. Um, takeaways from this game. I'll go first. Uh, we're going to be really good on offense. We're also going to be really good on defense. Barring injuries in the secondary, we're going to be really good. That was yeah. my takeaway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my takeaway is it was it's a very talented team, top to bottom, and cornerback cornerbacks the question Ooh, yes it is <laughs> so yeah, yeah my takeaway is uh we've we finally got a quarterback um i'm very mm. excited to watch him operate and i um continue to be really excited about our defensive front seven and continue to be absolutely petrified about our secondary yeah. today today did almost nothing uh to assuage my fears about that especially given what daniels did to our first team secondary um, with no receivers. Again, 13 targets today for A.D. Mitchell um, and, and Daniels was like sort of unstoppable after the first quarter. Um, so, um, yeah, that's that's my good news, bad news <laughs> takeaway yeah. from today's game. And I think yeah, the encouragement in that is look at the number of contested catches that he was forced to make. I mean, that's a good thing. Now, Granted, you want to see the defensive backs win some of those, but crap, Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell didn't win very many contested balls last year, and they were two NFL corners. They're going to go in the top 100 of the NFL draft probably, and it's one of the things you hope they get better at. Um, you know, I, you hope that the guys that we're seeing come along, like Channing Tindall, I thought he had a good day, did a lot of good things, missed a couple pulls on power plays, but he was really good in coverage. I didn't realize he was that good in coverage. Um, he, he, could know, good, he could run. Yeah, right. God, he could run. He's also a little right. out of control on the angles sometimes. Yes, he took some bad angles. He did. But what you're hoping for is guys like him that are getting the mix. Adam Anderson, who we got to stick around. And the two, the one really stud state that we have, Tyke Smith coming in, who's going to be an absolute stud, I think, at star. You're hoping that all of that piece together can cover up for average corner plays. I'll remind you that we were in the national championship game, should have won with very, very average corners. Yeah. Do you remember I mean, who we were starting yeah. those game, that game? Uh, Malcolm Parrish was on one side, He was right? on one side. That's correct. My comparison guy who I didn't even think was good enough to play for Georgia. That like considering what I know about Georgia defensive backs, he's not a Tyson Campbell, he's not Eric Stokes. That guy started the national championship game and we should have won with him. 
So I really do think that if all the other pieces are in place, and I think who else was it? Tyreek McGee. I mean, that's who we had out there. Well, was Baker on the other side of that point? DeAndre though? Baker DeAndre wasn't. Baker. The, was I'm yeah. sorry, you're right. DeAndre Baker was on the other side. Let me not. Let me yeah, not lie. But Dom Sanders story. was one of the safeties, and then who was the other safety? Was it Reed? Yeah, Richard Count was a freshman. Yeah. So, so if you look, if you look at that starting five, right of your starting five nickel secondary, you had one NFL draft player. pick. Yeah. Right. You know, possibly two players. Reed is on a team, and I think higher of them than the NFL did draft wise. But you still had one NFL draft pick out of five, right? And that was Baker this, as a sophomore, so that wasn't even his. Yeah. You know, the high, the highest end of his play. You know what I mean? Like. He was kind of a surprise as good as he was that year. He ended up being that year. Mm-hmm. So I just say that to say that it's possible to get back, to get by with passable corner play. Alabama's done it a few times where they've been average-ish at corner, but of course when they are there, usually they're good at safety. And that's what you have to do. You can't be average at both. So even though, like I said, Dominic Sanders was not a NFL safety, Dominic Sanders was an exceptional college safety. He really was. I mean, so I think there's hope. Jonathan, you're absolutely right to be worried. You should be because two places that'll get you beat the fastest in a football game, offensive line and secondary. <laughs> I'm just telling you, that's what we talk about when we coach. If you are bad there, it is very hard to hide. It's very hard to hide. Well, um, and again, so. like you're saying, you know, you, you can make up for it other places and, you know, hopefully our vastly improved quarterback play does that. I think that it will. And hopefully our defensive front seven makes up for that. You know, to look at it another way, last year we had as much talent and experience in the secondary mm. as you could hope for. Yeah. And look how much good that did us <laughs> against Mac Jones and Kyle yeah. Trask. Um, yeah, I just, true. you know, almost none. All right. Well, guys, I appreciate y'all jumping on. I think we can all say we saw a lot of things that we're going to be excited about. You know, this is the time of year where everybody's excited about their team because their team's going to be good. You know, everybody's team is good right now. So, um, <laughs> except Vanderbilt. <laughs> Everybody's team just won a game. They're all excited. And so we as Georgia fans, this is going to be our year for the 41st year in a row. This is going to be our year. So <laughs> I'll take that into the offseason and uh, we'll call it, we'll call it, a, we'll call it a podcast. Uh, this has been David Thay for the Tide Run Podcast. Uh, Jonathan, tell the people adios. See y'all. See you in late summer, hopefully. Scott. Night, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Adios. Adios.